And the reason that I love my sinning is because I love to sin. And the reason that I keep on sinning is because no one ever has the cojones to confront me and go, Darren, you're a sinner, you're called the more. And how do we expect the church to be made holy if none of us are ever going to stand up and go, I need help. Someone needs to help me be sanctified. Between the Grooves is hosted by James Curtis, music director and morning man in the greater Toronto area on Joy Radio, and Drew Brown, Juno-nominated singer-songwriter and worship leader. Both hope to share insights into Christian music, exploring ministry, message, and everything in between. You can connect with the show at faithstrongtoday.com slash between the grooves or via Twitter at Between Grooves. Now, here's James and Drew. Hey. <laughs> hey, dude. How you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. How are you? Good. good. I'm okay. You sound a little so, subdued. Uh, well, uh, yeah. You know what? Well, yeah, I'm, I'm chilling. I got the coffee here. I'm really relaxed. I feel good. Good, good we- to see your face on the FaceTime. Good weekend? Very good weekend. I had a pretty crappy few weeks. Actually, March was a, was a terrible month for me, just mm-hmm. in all areas. So this weekend, I spent most of it outside, buried under blankets, and just invited people over. And, and you were under the blankets at the time? Yeah, because, okay. you know, it's cold outside. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was, I was comfy, cozy. It was great. I, it was great. It's, you know, social distancing, all that stuff. And yeah. Just, you know, candles everywhere and, and dim lighting outside. Mm, it was a really cool time. It, Very nice. It, yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well. I, 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 that's, that's, that's for a different podcast. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's for another time. That's right. Mm-hmm. For me on Saturday was just crazy busy. I I mean, I did four loads of laundry. I'm the laundry guy oh, when it comes to my wife and I. We get our kids to do their own laundry. So that, that part's good. Yeah, yeah. But four that's loads good. of laundry in between all of that. Uh, both cars had to go into the shop just for oil change so yeah so really really busy saturday but that forced me on sunday just to do absolutely nothing my wife uh, at one point said to me hey let's go to the store i said i'm not leaving this house for anything i had to drop the kids off to work again but other than that mm-hmm. i'm not going anywhere i'm not shopping anywhere i'm vegging doing absolutely nothing and that's what i did so i had a very very similar sunday i i think it was in i was in bed until like 1 p.m <laughs> Got up, made some lunch, went out for a walk, came back, sat on the couch for another couple hours. Just very, very relaxed and chilled. Yeah. yeah we yeah. need those days. We need those Absolutely. days. Absolutely. I, I, sometimes yeah. I don't think we get enough of them, but uh, hey, I agree. This, this coming weekend is uh, Easter weekend, so um, yes. we'll we'll see uh, about some relaxed time then. But uh, before right. we can talk a little bit about that in a second. But before yeah, that, sure, I, sure. I suppose we've been talking for a few minutes here and we should probably welcome everyone else to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, wait, are we recording? Yeah. <laughs> well, this is the show? We're this doing the this, show right yeah, now? Yeah, we've already started the show. Sorry, folks. I thought, I, thought, I thought you were just saying good morning to me. Yeah, well, I was, but, you know, we started the show. <laughs> Welcome to Between the Grooves. It's your weekly look at music, ministry, and everything in between with today's top Christian artists. And this week's episode features a great conversation with a previous guest, Darren Mulligan from We Are Messengers. And this is this is a great conversation. Uh, love this guy. We're going to get into that yeah. in just a bit. But before we get to that, uh, let's chat a little bit more about this coming weekend. It's Good Friday and Easter, so lots happening. I've got to say this. Um, is it fair, Drew, to say that for worship pastors, this would be the second busiest time of the year next to Christmas? 
Yeah. Well, I mean, depending on uh, on the church and the church culture, it could be even busier than Christmas. Sure. Sure. Um, I mean, I think I think there's more pressure on Christmas. I think there's a lot more pressure. I think people's expectations are way higher mm-hmm. in terms of like what they expect from a service. But I, I mean, I, if you're a worship pastor, you have Good Friday to worry about and Easter and sometimes depending, you, know, you have Palm Sunday and you have Monday, Thursday, if you're that kind of a church. Right. So it's it's a whole lot of stuff happening. There's certainly the songs. There's certainly the material right. for a worship pastor uh, versus Christmas time where, you know, you've got your traditional Christmas hymns or choruses that are sung and you only do it that one time of the year. So it's a lot yeah, more work yeah. to prepare yes. if you've got a band and and singers and whatever. So maybe that makes Easter easier. Um, yes, it does. Yes. But I just find there just, just it tends to be more planning at Christmas time for the second most important celebration in the Christian world. Yeah. I mean, right? again, it's like all depends. Like I remember when I was a worship pastor at my previous church, um, I like February and March, I wasn't home. <laughs> oh, okay. Right, because we had like we had Palm Sunday rehearsal because it was a big thing, right? Like you know, organizing all the youth and all the kids. Palms, okay, we had plays and and this and that and that. Then we had like a like a Thursday night service, with communion, so choirs and all this stuff. And then Friday we had a big thing for Good Friday. And then you know, sometimes it would be another chapel service on Saturday. And then like three things on Easter Sunday. It was just a lot. Where for Christmas. Like, like you said, the music part actually was harder because right. we're doing these songs that we've rarely play and trying to make them in, a, in some sort of creative way. And so you wind up working on the music and the presentation a lot more. But I find that I was working longer hours for Easter because there's so many small things happening in one week. What does Easter look like for you as far as workload and music and, you know, Career-wise, is it is have you got stuff booked? Are you doing anything specific, or are you taking a breather? Yeah, this week, even on the weekend too, I was filming a lot of online worship stuff for churches. Mm-hmm. So, um, um, so like I did like a Good Friday package for a couple of churches, and that was cool, and that was great. Um, I, for my for my own spiritual community, we are filming a live thing outside on on Tuesday. It's going to be nice, I think. So, we're doing a live thing outside. We're going to record everything, and then uh, and then we're going to you know, broadcast it on Easter Sunday. Um, and uh, last year we did a, there's this um, really cool thing that um, Catholic church and sometimes the Anglican church do where it's called the stations of the cross. Mm-hmm. And so last year, the whole church did a creative project of creating an online stations of the cross. And so now we're just updating that and tweaking that and re-releasing that for this week. So people can do it over good Friday. Right. So tons of stuff. And then yeah, musically I'm just, Lots of online stuff for me this week, which I love a lot. I love um, being able to help out churches in that sense. It's yeah. fun. It's yeah. good. Yeah. Well, yeah, it'll be it'll be one of those Easter's again this year. Um, last year, my mm-hmm. church every year has been doing a big Easter egg hunt for the kids, and so obviously Ooh. that couldn't happen, right? And yeah. so that once again, it won't happen this time. And that's just it's not to detract from the gospel, but certainly it's a fun thing for for kids. And and really, it was yeah, an outreach right. for our church where it it encouraged and brought in a lot of kids from the community with their parents. Totally. And so yeah. you know, by the way, the kids are out hunting for eggs very shortly and you get to hear the gospel message which is a, right. a great way of of uh of uh incorporating that at easter time so, so good and th- when you think about it a lot of times easter and christmas is the only time that some people go to church right 
That's right. Like, That's exactly right. I know some people that go to church regularly. They go every Easter and every Christmas. But boom. That's it. Sorry, that was a little. Come on now. Yeah. No, it's good. It was, <laughs> it was good. It was good. It was that good. was a dad joke, but I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Listen, we've been uh, we've been babbling long enough here. I think it's time to get to our conversation with Mr. Darren Mulligan from We Are Messengers. You know, Darren really opened up about his pro-life views and that the We Are Messengers song, Image of God, was written about that topic. And that reveal comes a little ways into the podcast. It was something he hasn't shared with anyone before us. So uh, you'll want to hear that. His reasons for that are an interesting commentary on the music industry that you have to hear. Let's go Between the Grooves with Darren Mulligan. Uh, I think it can work. I think yeah. it can work. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm just driving from my uh, 10th COVID test in two months. <laughs> so that's what I'm doing. 10th 10th uh, test? Oh my yeah, gosh. well, we're back on the road doing this uh, hip seat tour, and we've just been super cautious and, you know, really wanting to make everything happen so touring can get back going because... It's been brutal on the industry and on, and on the people that we love, you know. Yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah. What was definitely. what was 2020 for you? Like, I know uh, a lot of people were doing some online um, gigs and stuff. Yeah. I know you started a podcast, and I know you went with your family to Ireland. What else did you end up doing last year? Um. Yeah. So last year was strange. I guess we got since we came to Nashville in 2014 or 2015. Um. We've been touring relentlessly. So last year was really the first time that we had any time off more than a couple of weeks for six years. And uh, so what we did was not a lot. <laughs> we, uh, I think everybody was in the same boat to a certain extent. Exactly. Yeah, but what we didn't do was uh, there was a pressure to try and go do all these online things and keep engaging and keep engaging. And for me... I was just like, listen, it's an opportunity to actually step back, to breathe, to have a Sabbath, to take some rest. And it was really beautiful. Like, it really was beautiful. Terribly hard, because as an artist, you want to drive on. You're always driven. You're always wondering what's next. And God forced me not to worry about what's next, but to actually just enjoy what was in front of me. And it was... uh, yeah, God really, God really used it to transform how I view the world and how I view myself. So, really beautiful year. You know, for me, I found, and and I was very fortunate because I work in radio, and it was almost considered like an essential service in Canada. So, uh, for for me, I you know, I still had a job to go to every every day, but I almost felt, um, I, I personally, I kind of felt. Um, almost like I wasn't doing enough, uh, almost yep. thinking that I'm falling behind because I'm seeing everybody else do stuff during the pandemic. Like, Drew, you were doing some online concerts. I know right. that people started podcasts. They were writing books. And, and we saw a lot of that happening in 2020. Well, I didn't write a book. And we've been doing this podcast for, you know, three and a half years, almost well, what, four years now, maybe. I mean, time flies. Yeah. But, but, uh, but, uh, you know, I was just continuing doing what I do. And so, you know, even, even the fact that people were able to say they spend a lot of family time watching movies, well, I'm doing a little bit of that, (laughs) you know, but, but certainly not as much as many other people. Yeah. Well, I would answer it like, so whenever I stopped worrying about what was next with We Are Messengers and, you know, career and release cycles and all of that, God opened up like so many cool 
doors, you know. For example, my wife and I um, connected with a pastor, uh, and we go down to Planned Parenthood in Nashville every few weeks, and we stand with those people, and we encourage these young, particularly African-American and Hispanic girls, we encourage them uh, with the fact that there's another choice, so we help provide resources and finances, employment, training, healthcare for these young ladies, and we watch we watch hope come into them. And so we've been able to stand with this pastor Scott Horde and see you know tens and twenties of young babies being born that may not have been born. And God reminded me that there's more to my life than just singing songs and writing songs. That's the vehicle to have conversations about him, but I can't just be a man who always sings or speaks. I have to actually do the hard work of the gospel as well. And so, yeah, cool, hard, messy, but I wouldn't change it even if I could. I'm curious about um, uh, as you continue to sort of um, lean into that kind of like, um, not just you know being artists, but trying to find ways in which you can be Jesus to others in your local context. Um, h- how hard has it been to navigate that part of your life, even in this era of COVID? Because even for me, like I'm a big neighbor, I'm a big neighborhood guy, so I'm always trying to find ways to to connect with people, to um, to assist people if I can, to help out, to serve. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of it, it's weird now, right? There's a lot of uh, paranoia. There's people who are stressed about, you know, yep. anything, you know. And so uh, so you want to continue to yep. serve and, and to serve respectfully. Um, so for me, I'm always trying to find, you know, how to do it in, in ways and make it happen for myself. How have you managed yep. that sort of doing that kind of servanthood in the context of COVID? Yeah, well, I'll, I'll say this. Um, our guitar player, Kyle. Uh, just lost his father last week, his father-in-law to COVID. Our bass player, Raul, just lost his father to COVID in uh, November. So our band has been touched by tragedy because of COVID. Um, I, I would say this, that I have learned that the gospel asks us to make allowances for other people. So do I believe that the restrictions that have been put in place are... Uh, too strict or not well adjusted to the actual threat? Absolutely. But do I believe that this thing is really hurting families? Absolutely, because first time we've all been hurting. So what I've decided to do is I make alliances um, and I, I try to do what's right by people. So I'm wearing masks, we're socially distancing, we're back out on the road. Uh, my wife and I haven't been to church in four or five months. We haven't been to small group. She hasn't seen her friends. And we did this because we know that there's an industry that relies on what we do. And so we said, we're going to make allowances for everyone else. We're going to sacrifice and we're going to get our guys back working. You know, people, when they think about artists, you know, Drew and James, they tend to think uh, that we're the only ones that are making a living out of this. But there's bus (laughs) drivers and caterers, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and so so we, we have had to put, prefer other people to ourselves. And that's what the gospel should be. We should prefer yes. other people to ourselves. But we get so hung up on agendas that we cannot see past this. Last thing I'll say, and I know I'm ranting. I'm also shouting for your <laughs> listeners I'm driving. Um, 
the irony of standing outside Planned Parenthood, right, and wearing a mask, even though you're on the pavement, not talking to anyone, um, because you want to prefer the very people who are encouraging these young women, young women, to have abortions, I, does not escape me. But my role as someone who follows the gospel should be to prefer everyone over myself. That's so good. That, that, is, that is so beautiful. Yeah, that is that is uh, so um, cutting edge. Can I say? It, like it, it cuts you. It, it cuts you when you when you think about it. When you actually think deep down on what that all means, that that cuts you. It really does. Yeah, and not, I'm not purporting a, a soft gospel or a gospel where Christians just roll over and let everyone walk over them. I'm, I'm for a strong gospel. I'm for a gospel in which men take on the responsibility that God has given us by living lives that look like the gospel. I mess that up every single day, may I add. Um, but I am also for a gospel. This is not an easy conversation to have because typically anything that's taboo, we try to avoid, especially in Christian culture, because we're terrified of offending people. Um, So I want you to understand that when I talk about being pro-life, I'm not pro-life because um, I have some weird obsession with other women's babies being born. I'm pro-life because Jesus shows us that everybody is made in the image of God. They're crafted in his image. They're formed in his likeness. So I can't be pro-life unless I'm pro-woman, unless I'm pro-father, unless I'm pro-grandmother and grandfather, and unless I'm willing to put my time, resources, energy behind supporting these young girls who, quite frankly, do not have a choice. When you're standing with a young African-American woman whose father is threatened to kick her out if she has this child, or a young Hispanic lady or a young white lady who's been having an affair and is desperately trying to get rid of this child because she's terrified of losing her partner, or whether there's a financial thing, and you're simply going to shout that killing babies is bad, that is not the solution. The solution is love. It is preferring them. And in order to do that, we can't just talk about it. We have to be it. And I'm going out in a limb saying all of this, boys, and I know I'm likely going to get in trouble for it. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't think you would get in trouble, Darren, because I think the problem in this day and age right now is that people who have morals, people who have standards, they're very often politically incorrect and taboo, and they're shunned because of that. And I think that's totally wrong. I think that, you know, the fact that you actually have a standard, that you have morals, uh, should be looked at in positive light, not negative light. Well, thank you. I I would also add that I do have morals and I have standards, and quite often I fall way below those morals and way below those standards. (laughs) Yeah. But the gospel doesn't disqualify us because of our behavior. We're not qualified or disqualified because of how we behave. We're qualified because of the blood of Jesus Christ, his righteousness. And so I'm tired of Christians running around going, oh, I can't speak into that situation or, you know, or, or offer correction to a believer because I'm a sinner too. no. We're called to a greater standard than that. We fall short, but it doesn't disqualify us from calling each other to more, to greater things, to holiness. 
And so with the same correction or uh, maybe offence that I would bring, I would hope that, that the same correction and offence was brought to me too because it makes me a better man. I will add, though, that um, the, these conversations um, are really um, best one-on-one and and yeah. and I and I qualify that because you see all the arguments that happen on social media, and you really are not <laughs> going to change somebody else's mind on social media. You don't know the tone of what they're writing. Uh, you get a lot of people upset, and uh, you get all of these people from left, right, and center uh, with their opinions and what they think is right. And I and I, I honestly, I think the best yeah. way to have these conversations conversations is face to face, like one on one. Yo, you're completely right. And and I will move off the topic, but one more thing. Why Pastor Scott Horde, who is the pastor we've partnered with in Nashville, why I trust him is because he's not on social media arguing the case. He's standing on the street morning to evening, come rain or shine, in sickness and in health, loving these young girls. And not just loving them, but walking with them and their family for many, many years after they choose, after the decision. You know, so he's not trying to change culture by making some big sweeping gesture. He's trying to change culture individually, one-to-one. And that's how we do it. So with We Are Messengers, we want to use our platform and that broad platform we have to do things that matter on a human level, one-to-one. And it's really, really hard to do that. But that's what we're trying to do. Um, because Jesus was serious when he said, I go after that lost one. He was very serious. And, and basically what you're saying is actions speak louder than words. You can spout off whatever you want, but if, if there's no action to it, then then it's it's useless. Yeah. It really is. It really is. Like, I'm, I'm, so, I'm so tired of the Christian community jumping up down and going, we're going to vote pro-life. Okay, great. Vote pro-life all you want, but what are you doing with your life to demonstrate that you are pro-life? Mm-hmm. Or... Right. You know, we're pro-marriage. Okay, if you're pro-marriage, how many young 20- and 30-year-old couples are you sitting with reminding them that marriage is not about being happy? Marriage is about giving your life up for your bride, just like Christ exactly. gave his life up for the bride. Or if you're, you're pro-freedom, <laughs> how, many, how many of us are actually spending our days trying to advance the cause of civil rights uh, not just among ethnic lines, but among religious lines, among social class lines. So really what I'm saying, James and Drew, is I'm a hypocrite, and it took me 2020 <laughs> to realize that. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> you know, I'm so down, good. I'm finished. Oh, that's I'm funny. That is so funny, but so true. It really is. You know? <laughs> and not just you, I think it's everybody for that matter. That's right. I'm... <laughs> <laughs> um, um, I'm wondering because one thing, uh, one of the many things I I love about having you on the show is that you just tell like it is, and you are such a deep thinker. Um, I, I'm curious. I'm going to ask you a question that might be a little bit dangerous um, to ask, um, yeah. but I but I think you would have a really good answer for this. What is one thing that you would want to see changed within the CCM industry? Ooh, um conversation with uh, some guys out with Toby Mack recently um, I think sometimes there's a there's a certain discord and, and maybe not a disunity uh, within the different 
musical genres of CCM and worship music and gospel music. And I think sometimes everyone looks at each other suspiciously, almost like you're not like the CCM industry, like we're a little bit dirty because we're all profiteering. And then sometimes we look at the worship mu- in, industry as, oh, wow, you're just selling wor- the worship experience. Um, and the gospel tends to be on its own. I think there's so many beautiful strands in all of them that I would love a more unified approach. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would love us to come together as an industry, all genres, all formats, and value what we all bring. CCM music in particular, uh, if you had asked me this three or four years ago, I would have said that we put out subpar music, um, that we dilute the message of the gospel, that we write cheap lyrics, um, and that we need to do better. Mm-hmm. But today... God has really worked in my heart. And I believe that CCM music actually has the potential to really change the culture of America, North America, the whole world, because we are the ones that are able to start conversations. We're not writing songs telling God what he's like. God knows what he's like. It's we that don't know who we are. Um, So I would love to see CCM music really build each other up instead of tearing each other down and unnecessarily criticizing each other. I would like us to to find the beautiful things in each of these artists to want more for the artists coming up behind us than those that are in front of us to prefer the other and all boats will rise together. And if we do that, what will happen is the thing that I always wanted to happen. Artists would have the freedom to create music that is really honest, really true and really beautiful. The problem with CCM at the moment is everyone is so terrified that radio won't play our songs. And it's been like that for years, and you boys know it. Yep. And when you write from a place of fear like that, you never really write the truth. You never really tell the truth. I think it's starting to change, but I just hope it isn't too late, that we're not too far gone down the line of writing songs we hope radio will play. Like... And honestly, boys, I'm talking about Image of God now. You know that's you know that's why I written I wrote this song, don't you? Like you get it now, probably. Yep. Um, do you know how many conversations I've had like this since Image of God was released seven months ago? Can't imagine. Zero. Zero. What? Seriously? None. No, and that's nobody's fault but mine, because. In doing so, I would sabotage the song at radio, and the message wouldn't get out, and I wouldn't have the opportunity to use that song to leverage it to a bigger audience and to reach more people with that message. See, if I came out the top of this uh, single cycle and said, this song is about me being pro-life, this song's not getting played. That's the truth. Wow. And so, wow. I'm not saying that everyone won't play it. Some people will still be brave enough and courageous enough. But right now, everyone is terrified that radio won't play our songs. Or radio is terrified that if they play certain songs, they'll lose their donor base. And that's not a healthy way to create art and music. Art and music cannot be created out of fear. And neither can the world be evangelized. The gospel does not spread through men and women being fearful of losing money. The gospel spreads when we give our lives away and we prefer the other. Creative music is made when we're not afraid to say the things that God puts in our heart. That's a long answer, Drew. I'm sorry, bro. Um, 
I'm trying it's to word it in a more kind way, but I don't have it. <laughs> no, don't, don't, yeah. <laughs> don't, please don't. Wow. <laughs> that that make, so like, you boys are you boys are in radio. Does that make sense to you boys? Completely, uh, man. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, you know, we from a radio perspective because I'm the radio guy. Drew's the artist. Um, you know, very often the you know you're you're listening to the lyrics you're listening to the sound of a song um very often you know i i think it's easier for we are messengers as a group because they've all they've already established themselves so you can come out with a song and very likely get it uh played on radio but but your your comment about you know if if radio knew that it was specifically about planned parenthood uh maybe they wouldn't play it yeah i could see that happening unfortunately you know uh and that would be for any other you know secular mainstream song as well you know radio stations might look and say ah you know it's a bit controversial not sure if we want to play something like that because of what it could lead to later on you know well, well, because it's topical. It's topical. Yeah. But can you tell me, boys, when was the last time you read the Gospels of Jesus Christ, right, and you didn't see topical subjects being discussed? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh, like, so what was Jesus doing? Was he, was he hanging around with the disciples all day telling them, lads, you all need to tell me how great I am. You all need to tell me how great I am. Tell me something about me. Was that what Jesus was doing? No, he was getting his hands dirty. Getting his hands dirty, bro. Yeah. Hanging out with prostitutes and beggars and thieves and the outcasts and the lost and the lonely and the least. Not just hanging out, but validating them as human beings made in God's image and then calling them to holiness. And the reason that I love my sinning is because I love to sin. And the reason that I keep on sinning is because um, no one ever has the cojones to confront me and go, Darren, you're a sinner, you're called the more. And how do we expect the church to be made holy if none of us are ever going to stand up and go, I need help here, I need help. Someone needs to help me be sanctified. (laughs) You know, (laughs) tell me about the hard things. Tell me, teach me, show me. And I'm going back, and I was singing a song with the Gettys a while back, um, Keith and Kirsten, and we sang this song called My Worth Is Not In What I Own. And uh, it ruined me. And it's been a long time since the song has ruined me because it called out the truth, and it was tender and beautiful. I want those songs, boys. I want to hear them. I want to write them. I want to write the topical songs, sometimes tender, Sometimes, you know, beautiful and sometimes just rowdy and raucous. Because what am I going to do this for? I, I feel like I'm talking to two friends down at the pub here over pints. That's the truth. Yes, um, yes. What, what am I going to do this? Do this five, ten more years? And then what? Am I going to look back at it and go, well, this is why I, I drug my family 5,000 miles across an ocean? And I left all the people I loved was to hang out, make some money, make a, a name for myself, have a career, and then retire. I want it to matter because someday God's going to look you two in the eyes, he's going to look me in the eye, and he's going to say, what did you do with the talents I gave you? And it's not enough to say, well, Jesus, I had 10 top 10 songs in a row. Just say, what did you do with them? That's right. And I want, I want to be able to look them in the eyes and say, I messed up every day, Jesus, but I tried my best. <laughs> you know? Exactly. 
Exactly. You know, whenever we have a conversation with Darren Mulligan, <laughs> it, he tells it like it is, and and he totally wrecks me. If you know, I honestly, Drew, uh, uh, Darren, the my favorite episode of this show ever was the conversation we had with you, and that well, that was maybe three and a half years ago. Would that be about right? Yes. Yep. Yes, sir. Still my favorite. <laughs> don't don't tell anybody else that. <laughs> well, uh, you guys—he's given me a freedom to speak, which is dangerous. You know, you, you, if you give a man enough rope, he'll hang himself. You guys give me plenty of rope. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, telling it like it is—that's what it's all about. It really is. And and um, did you ever think that, um, given the fact that you said that you really haven't talked about image of God to you know the the true aspect of the song to to anybody? Um, do you believe now, I mean, it's it's a huge song, uh, it's being played all over the world, um, I don't know how many streams it's had, but but I know it's in the millions probably, um, The yeah. the uh, do you now feel that you can uh, come out and, and, you know, explain it more? Yeah, I do, I really do. Um... The other aspect of the song that is true is we did write it at the same time as the George Floyd incident, you know. Um, so there are elements of the song that are touching on uh, the civil rights movement, on touching on how we tend to put our value on humans and what they can do for us and how productive they are and our values found in being men God's image. So that's there too. But primarily for me, the heart behind it was always this that I would love to have written a song that God would use to remind young girls sitting in their car in the parking lot in Planned Parenthood that there's more to their lives and to the lives of their babies than meets the eye. It's not merely a choice that has been forced upon them, but that it is an opportunity to be like Jesus. And what would astound you boys is that when you stand outside those clinics, most of the young girls that are walking in there are Christians, you know? Hmm. But when choice is taken away from you, via socioeconomic conditions or bullying or manipulation by men primarily, until someone's willing to look you in the eye and go, I know this hurts, but we've got you. And we don't just have you for this five minutes, we have you for the next five years. You don't see that there's a choice. And so now, what do I do with the song? Um, well, I don't know. So we started this podcast called The Daily Message, which is just focusing on scripture, and it's really beautiful. It's had 200,000 downloads in its first seven weeks, which is huge for us. Wow, yeah. I'm thinking about doing... Oh, I shouldn't be saying this. I'm thinking... Me and my wife want to write a book, right? We want to write a book. And we want to interview young girls who have uh, made the decision to have abortion and then who have either decided not to have that abortion because of choice that was offered through people like us or that did have that abortion and how it affects them and let them tell their stories. Because I'm not going to change anyone's mind on abortion by me ranting and raving about it. Stories are like songs. And stories have the ability to change people's hearts. Yeah. And so I would love the next step that we take would be to tell these girls' stories. 
and give them the platform to do it. Yeah, them them having the platform, them telling their story means a lot more than somebody else's opinion. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm actually going to a management meeting after this and discuss that. And I imagine the response is going to be somewhat tepid. <laughs> but uh, but um, I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah, yeah, good. <laughs> when can we expect the book? Yeah. Uh, goodness knows. I can't imagine publishers are going to be jumping up and down to get it. But uh, but I'm I'm going to hustle something through because I promised God I would use this song to really impact on this. And I feel like now God's come and saying, okay, time you pay it up, Darren. Because I've had his benefit and his anointing and his favor on it. And now it's my turn to honor him and what I said I would do with the song. Can I just throw in something here, Drew? A couple of years ago, or maybe a year and a half ago now, it was a, it was a summer festival. It was in Buffalo. And I hit up Darren. It was, he had just done praise and worship in the worship tent and he was leaving. And, you know, I waved him down and said, Hey, uh, let's get together later on for uh, coffee or something. And now he had another concert later that night in the, in the big area, like the big tent or whatever you call it. You know, it was one of the feature acts. And, uh, and he says, well, when I'm done, I'm going to be coming back to the hotel and let's boot out and we'll grab some pizza or something like that. And it was probably going to be him and, and the gang. Right. So I'm already back at the hotel and I'm kind of waiting and it's, you know, it's eight o'clock, it's eight thirty, it's nine o'clock. I'm kind of waiting thinking, man, this is going to be a late night. Not that, that it matters. Right. Because right. I, I'd love sure. to get together with Darren. And finally, finally, he sends me a text saying, sorry, we're tied up with some ministry right now. We're going to have to do this another time. Can I tell you that was probably one of the best texts I received because I'd rather hear that than you and I just goofing off having, you know, horsing around over pizza and, and pop or whatever. Like, can I say? So to hear something like that from, from you know, a, a big band like We Are Messengers to know what their priorities are. Right. To me, that that was a big moment for me to, to understand what the, the priorities, because when you go to these festivals these music festivals you know you're as a listener you're there to see these bands perform and have a good time and hear their songs and dance and whatever you do to the music right but then to understand that there's actually something bigger than that and that's what it's all about for we are messengers that says a lot about darren and and the guys that you work with darren well thank you and i would give a lot of credit to my team to the guys that are around me they're you know, I'm a management too. They really are Holy Spirit-led people. Uh, no, none of them are in this for a profiteering. I would also add, James, Andrew, that I promise you boys I'm going to let you all down. Um, I, I'm just... It dawned on me recently that sometimes I can appear holier than I actually am. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and I, I, I want people to know that I do my best not to let everyone down but that I do and I will because I'm a human and I'm messy um, and so I, I hope that people never confuse or not like each other than God's righteousness is in me, his holiness is in me and he is transforming me to be something like him but Jesus is completely holy, completely other, completely set apart. And I'm just a beggar feeding on crumbs at the table of the Lord. But those crumbs taste so good, right, that they, 
that they um they make me a very passionate man. So I will let you down. I promise that. But I also promise that I will continue to try to be just a wee bit like Jesus. Because if I was, oh my goodness, we would wreck the world in a really beautiful way. Yeah. I, I would rather you tell me that you're flawed than 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 you play the holy card. That's for sure. <laughs> I can't do that anymore. I just can't. Um, yeah, do you ever feel like when you started walking with Jesus that you thought all these years later you'd be a different man. Um, and what I found is that 13 years after walking with the Lord, I'm still the same man with the same flaws and the same messed up desires. But what's beautiful is that I might be the same, but the mercy of God is still exactly the same. Hmm. Do you know? I haven't changed much, but he hasn't changed. And because he hasn't changed, I'm secure in the hands of Jesus. That's why mercy is new every morning. It's not new for the crack of it, for the sound of it. It's new because it's necessary for men and women to fall on it every day. And I'm, I'm doing that, lads. I really am. There's something about the way you, um, the way you sort of conceptualize, uh, verbally like the idea of grace is so so beautiful and real it, it feels very grounded um, i love the way you talk about grace um and i'm curious i'm curious about like um like e- even like you, yeah you have a great way of expressing that and you capture it so well even the things that you do is that vision also shared i mean i'm sure it is with the band but even with management and labels like do they have they ever sort of went hey man you can't be saying that you can't be doing that you can't be (laughs) you can't can't be so honest and vulnerable bro you gotta you know keep the mystique up or like i'm sure they haven't but um has that been an issue in the past um yes at times with previous management very much. Yeah. Uh, with my current management, uh, they're called proper management. They manage um, casting crowns. Um, uh, not in the slightest. Not in the slightest. They want me to go. They want me to communicate. They want me all in on Jesus. And they call me to a higher standard. And I would say my record label, um, Curb Records, in which there's a lot of folks that aren't necessarily Christian, but they have, they have allowed me so much room like, guys, what other label's going to let people sing the kind of songs I sing in this format? <laughs> right. You know, like, seriously. <laughs> uh, not once has someone come to me and said, darn, yeah, this might be a bit too close to home. Like, the, the freedom I've had has been, it's been really beautiful. So, no, my previous management, and that's one of the reasons I'm no longer with them, just not the, not the same values, not the shared desire to really do something that matters. Um, and I have decided that I'm going to cut everybody out of my life um, in terms of a career perspective uh, that doesn't share. You know, if you can't say thank you for your dinner at a, at a show and thank you for your breakfast and thank you to the security guard, and if you can't value them more than you can value Toby Mac, right. I, I don't want you around. Right. I don't want to, I don't, I don't want me around if that ever happens to me. Yeah. And hanging out with Toby and becoming good friends with him. When you see how he interacts with everyday people, you realize why he's the ghost, why he's the greatest yeah. of all time. That's right. Exactly. Exactly. 
you know? Unfortunately, I would even say that they, people like him or you are hard to find. <laughs> we can also be hard to tolerate. Oh, well. <laughs> That's what my wife says, too, so. <laughs> um, yeah. They're there, though, and I... I think going back to your question, Drew, from earlier about the CCM industry. Yeah. If we're going to find young talent that really engages culture, then we need to be able to set that example and go, listen, it is possible to push envelopes and to do the hard things and to do them well. Um, You guys have probably noticed there's very little new talent coming through. Mm. And the new talent that is coming through um, there's some really great stuff, but like we, the kingdom is wonderful. Yeah. Um, and I think from a worship perspective, that's the most exciting worship music I've heard in many, many years. Um, and also that's Ed Cash, who I've known for years and Ed's obviously the best songwriter in our genre full stop. So they have a distinct advantage. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, that's beautiful. You have bands like Kane, Kane. I'm really excited about those kids, um, coming through. Yeah, there's a guy called uh, Andrew Rip who just had a number one song called Jericho. Great song, um, yeah. That geezer, that geezer can write songs. I'm telling you, he knows, he's lived some. So there's not a lot coming through. There's others beyond that, but the reason that there's not a lot coming through sometimes is because our genre can be so close-minded um, to sounds and to lyrics and to content that the most talented people of faith tend to do it within mainstream culture because they can say and express whatever they feel is true and honest. Right. And, and I think that puts our genre at a disadvantage. And so, yes, our donors who skew much older at radio, um, I think we do them an injustice when we say all they want to hear is casting crowns, you know? And I love casting crowns. I hope they're on the radio for the next 50 years. But my point is that if we're only doing the same thing and trying to reach in the same way, we're not really evangelizing. You know, we have to evolve. We have to be able to speak to culture where it's at, at, you know. And in order to do that, our songwriting needs to be better. Our honesty levels need to be through the roof. Uh, and we need to encourage up-and-coming artists that there is a room for them and there is a place for them in this format and that it's not just somewhere you come to retire and put your slippers on and get a nice cozy chair. It's somewhere where you come to do the hard, messy work of the gospel, but we're going to help you do it. So I want my latter years as we, you know, we're six years into this, I want the next six years to be ones where I actually build others up instead of telling them what they're doing wrong. Nobody needs that. I want people to know that I prefer them, that I'm for them. I want to make alliances for them. And I want to put all my self-righteousness to death. You know? I will say, Darren, I really love what Kane and Andrew Rip and We the Kingdom are doing and, and you know, these newer bands are doing. Um, yeah. it, it's almost like a fresh new sound, uh, partly because yeah. they're a new artist or a new group as far as, you know, the CCM world or, or listeners are concerned. I think we're actually planning on having Kane on the podcast in the coming weeks. So 
really looking Good. forward to that conversation. And uh, I'd love to get Andrew Rip on as well. Because, um, oh, yeah. uh, yeah. like, I was actually, uh, I heard somebody was having a backyard barbecue or something like that. It was one of these outdoor, you know, um, uh, safe events, you know, wear a mask, six feet distance and everything else. And they were playing yeah. uh, probably a Spotify playlist or whatever. And Andrew Rip's song was on. And it caught my eye or it caught my ear because I, I recognized the song right away because we're playing the song. And I was trying to figure out, OK, what playlist are you playing right now? Because uh, it was all <laughs> it was all the modern, you know, contemporary Christian music. It wasn't all the not like you said, not that there's anything wrong with the casting crowns no. or Michael W. Smith or whatever. But it was it was a fresh new sound. And that's what I like about these new artists. So I'm glad that yeah. they're being given a chance. And I know there's many more out there like that as well. There is, and, and that's what I'm saying. If we want to encourage that level of talent, because those three artists are, are phenomenal, then we have to make sure that our genre is open to them. There has to be avenues for their music to be played. And that's what's encouraged me um, about radio recently, is that there seems to be a move towards realizing that if we're going to be relevant um, in culture, that we have to evolve and we have to bring these artists in. And honestly, you know, like, it's funny because I, I, in my head, I always think of us as being a new artist, you know. Um, but the truth is we're not. Uh, and so we have to make sure that we don't get comfortable, that we keep pushing the bounds of what we can do and what we should be doing. Um, and these young guys are challenging us to do that. I think it's, I'm not afraid of competition. I don't even see that anymore. All I see is opportunity to spread the gospel. And I don't care who wants to do that. Anyone wants to do that, I'm on their team. I'm on their side. Yeah. Now, anyone who wants to build their own kingdom, they can take a hike. Not <laughs> interested. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Uh, I will you know, say. I will say as well. I will say as well, Darren. The the uh, what I like about um, we are messengers and these other groups is that uh, when you're on stage. I, I really don't feel it's a concert. It's not a concert as much as a worship time. <laughs> That's so cool. I love that because we are the least worship sounding band you could imagine. Like we're rock <laughs> yeah. and roll. We're rock and roll band. I, you know? I know, I know. But but it's it's I guess the distinction between doing a show and, you know, doing ministry, I guess is is what I'm saying. It I mean, absolutely my main goal, like even when we're back doing these arena shows at the moment. Is to, is to allow every one of the thousands and thousands of people that are there to know that I have seen them, and more importantly, that God has seen them, that He knows them, that He cares for them. And so I love, like, I just love latching on to eye contact with as many people as I can at a show. Like, I'm not an autopilot at all, but it's amazing. I don't even think about the lyrics or the melody. All I can see is people, and that's it. These songs aren't for me. They're for them. Our show isn't for me. It's for them. We're there to serve. And, I, and it took me a few years to realize that, boys, but our shows aren't about us. It's about the people in communion. Right. And so the reason our shows feel holy and almost worshipful, even though it's just rowdy and messy, <laughs> is because... It's because that's what they are, their communion. Like I wrote a song yesterday, uh, one of the lyrics is, you know, if we're all honest, everybody's a little bit lost and lonely here. You know, that's the truth. Life is, life's kind of lonely, right? And communion is so important. And for me, that's what, a, that's what rock and roll should always have been about. 
is communion. But we get to commune with people and God, and that's why it's magic. Yeah, yeah, that really does sum it up. That's nice. Yeah. Uh, um, how did you connect with Vince Gill for the remix of Image of God? <laughs> I uh, well, I do know, but uh, I, I'm a huge Vince Gill fan, always have been. Um, we were talking to Gloria Gaynor. You guys know who Gloria Gaynor is? You know the disco totally, queen? Totally, yeah. I will survive, <laughs> so man. She was, I will survive. Yeah, so she was going to sing on it. And uh, I kind of felt like it's probably a bit too disco. It's probably a bit too far out um, <laughs> for for the sound of it. So my Aaron or Joseph said, well, what about Vince Gill? And so um, me and my wife were friends with Amy Grant. Um We'd never met Vince, but we've hung out with Amy a bunch. And I didn't want to call her and ask her for Vince's number. I didn't want to use my friendship to get something. So I told me, and our guy said, yo, Joseph, you just just try to get his number and call him. And so he did, and he called him. Vince said yes. Here's the funny story, right? So my A&R guy said, I give Vince Gale your number. He's going to call you uh, to talk about the song. Uh, and I said, great. So a couple of days later, I was getting ready for shows in a coffee shop. And I, this unknown number came off on my phone. And I thought it was one of the guys from a production team. So I started rabbiting on about some lighting or sound thing we were doing. And about three or four minutes in, I realized this guy's voice didn't sound familiar. <laughs> and so <laughs> and so uh, it dawned on me. And I just said, I said, sorry are you Vince Gill? And he said, yes, sir. And I almost lost my mind. Uh, <laughs> and here's the funny thing. I said, we got to talk and, and he's so kind and, and humble. And I said, Vince, have you heard the song image of God? And he said, no. And I said, well, would you like to hear it before you agree to cutting it? And he said, no. He said, I'm a huge fan of we are messengers and everything you guys do. Wow. And I, like, I was just like, how does he even know we exist? And uh, in any case, did it. It was beautiful. And then we thought, well, Vince, would you mind if we came around your house and recorded an acoustic version? And so he said he doesn't normally shoot video content, um, but he said he would be honored. So we came around his house to his studio. And the version that you guys have, the acoustic version, that's exactly what it was. It was me, Vince, and my guitar player, Kyle, sitting around two microphones, no click track, no auto-tune, no tempo, no nothing, wow. just singing the song. And uh, it's my favorite version of the song, Ben Mile. So he's a, he's a good man, a really good man. And now, you're, now he's your best friend. I wish he was, but he's not. But he is dope. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. It's a, it's, it's, it's a great story of how you're able to connect, too. And uh, did, he, did he take any advice from you as far as the lighting uh, issues that you were having? Or? <laughs> he was very kind because uh, he's a superstar, you know? Yeah. And you always, a lot of times when you meet superstars, they disappoint you. Um, you know, like people say, be wary of meeting your heroes. They'll let you down. Uh, in no way did he let me down. I left, I left that room thinking this man has been with Jesus and I'm a better man because I was with him. Yeah. Yeah, I got to say, Drew, my, my experience in the Christian world uh, of music has been 
I would say a great experience because most of the people that you and I talk to on this show, but also meet face to face are just down to earth, regular guys. Yeah, uh, which which I appreciate because, you know, a lot of times you'll be talking to this, you know, or people will come to me and say, wow, you got to talk to whoever or wow, you got to talk with this person on your show or whatever. And and I'm just thinking, yeah, it's just another guy we were having a conversation with. And if I get if I get all bogged down with the um, their reputation or, or what they've achieved in life, I might yeah. I might feel a little inferior. I might feel a little nervous or whatever. But really, the, it's. I, I treat it as if we're just talking to another guy over coffee, right? That, that's, that's that's always been my yeah. philosophy. So, um, you know, yeah. and, and part of that is even before I was in radio full time was just in the business community where, um, you know, I'd be dealing with some sales reps. I was I was the business de- development manager of a company of a company and, and one of the outside sales reps was coming to me and said he was really nervous because uh, he got told he had to talk with the president of one of his customers. And I said, well, I'll talk with the president. Like, What's the big deal? It's just another yeah. guy, right? It's just another guy who wants to have a chat. So I'll do it. And so while he didn't want to because he felt, you know, nervous and whatever else, it's like, yeah, no big deal. It's just another guy having a conversation, you know, and and <laughs> he owns a business or he's the president of a company. Oh, well, you know. <laughs> so yeah. That's, but you know, that's one thing I would say, James, is that I am, I love our industry. I really do love the CCM industry. It's taken me a, a little while to realize that. But the people in it are, are like, for the most part, 90, 95% of the people you meet in this industry are doing this for all the right reasons. Yeah. Now, how we, do, how we do it sometimes is not necessarily the best way, but I don't know very many people that are in this for the wrong reasons. That's, that's super cool. Like yeah. You have a whole multi-million dollar industry of people who are doing it because they believe Jesus is, is king. That's so cool. Where else would you find that? Now, if we could really harness the power of that, then we would stop being this, this little niche sitting in the corner and we would expand to be something wide that really reaches the world. Worship music has done that in a way, but I think contemporary Christian music has so much talent and has such a great starting platform that if we were just a little bit bolder, a little bit braver, we really could change culture. You know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So true. Well, listen, Darren, what a pleasure to chat once again. Um, Drew and I have been looking forward to this conversation for weeks, honestly. Um, back to what I said earlier, uh, the conversation we had, you know, a few years back on the show. Um, but also, you know, it's not just, you know, it's not just we we talk with you once every three years. It, it's nice when we, you know, meet up at events and stuff like that and, and can still carry on because, you know, we're friends. You know what I'm saying? We're, we're yes, you know, we can yes, we can wave at each other or whatever. And maybe that's the only kind of communication we'll have. But but, you know, we recognize that we each have our abilities and, and our I'll say disabilities <laughs> yeah. uh, in life. And we're just regular guys, which uh, to me, that's what it's all about. And I, and I know, I know I talked a lot today. Um, I'm really grateful that both of you boys allowed me the opportunity to speak and speak about hard things. Um, I'm actually in a really good place in my life. I have joy, which is strange, but I'm also keenly aware of the responsibility I have now. I'm 41 years old. It's time to put away childish things. You know, it really is. It's time. It's time to really use the platform I have while I have it. And if I have to risk my career to advance the gospel, I'm all in. 
<laughs> you know, I'm all in. Yeah. I have to be. Uh, so we're about to put out a new record in a few months, probably. All the songs are done. There's some risky stuff on there. Good, um, good. But I can't wait for you to hear it. Right, I'll leave you boys. I'm running into this management meeting to talk about this book. <laughs> oh, hope, hope that goes well. We look forward to reading that too. Yes, yeah, <laughs> Wish me luck, right? Yeah, for sure. Thanks, Darren. Appreciate you so much. Take care. All right, lads. Be good. Cheers. Candid conversation with uh, Darren Mulligan, uh, admitting he has flaws. And uh, quite frankly, I think that's one of the things we admire about the guy. <laughs> All his flaws. No, I was kidding. That's right. The fact that he can be vulnerable with his flaws and share where he's at. I mean, I love hearing, um, you know, different points of view of, of things. And I love having that we can have this space to talk about these hard issues. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's important to sort of to listen and understand and to just have a space where we can share these things. And so I'm thankful that he was so he was courageous in that sense where he can be like, you know what, does this is what it is. This is kind of where the song's from. This is kind of what I'm doing, mm-hmm. um, you know, as a minister. And I think that's really, really cool that he is, he felt free enough and safe enough to kind of share that. So it's an honor. I, f- I find it an honor that he can be open and not knowing kind of where we stand or, or anything, but he was kind of like, yeah, this is where I'm at. This is where I'm at. This is what I'm doing. So I love but he's always been like that with us. He's yeah. always been open and honest and vulnerable and just, as you say, open with his flaws and be able to share them so well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm thankful once again for another great conversation with this man. I think I said the last time we had him on the show, if he weren't in the music business, he should be a pastor. Totally. And I said yeah. that the last time, he, he, you know, call him Pastor Darren or something like that, because he's so... Uh, knowledgeable and and yet he feels that he is not right because he's just a sinner like the rest of us you know and he that's what i'm saying he tells it like it is so uh it's great to hear what he's doing with his wife and all the stuff there and and being able to take that risk like he said right at the end there about his new music coming out where you know there's going to be some risky songs in there great i think i think artists need to do that and some of them may not be radio hits and some of them surprisingly maybe like mm-hmm. image of God, right? Yeah. For more information on the band, check out wearemessengersmusic.com. You can find all their info on music and merch and more. Check them out today. One of the things that Darren did mention in that conversation was how tough a year it's been. And of course, we know that already. Yeah. Uh, artists and musicians have really struggled where, you know, a lot of their income has come from, um, you know, live shows. So um, with everything that's gone on in the middle of, this this season that we're in a great message of hope from a previous guest ben grace our artist advice for this week you know one of the a few years ago one of the things that uh, occurred to me was that the most repeated thing from god's words to our ears in the biblical text is do not be afraid do not fear and i think that there's so many reasons to be like scared in the creative industry there's so many reasons to kind of feel like the money's scarce this month or this is not going to work out, or no one's going to like my music. And I just think we need to not be afraid and to step in, knowing I think that the divine's got us. This is, all, this is a dance, that we're, this delight that we actually get to do this thing, and we just have so much joy in doing what we do, and, and that love casts out fear. So do what you do with love, love it, be authentic. Do not fear. really does tie in as well with the conversation that we had with Darren Mulligan, if you think about it. 
Completely. Yeah, I really appreciate what Ben said. It's important for us to be just real to ourselves, um, to be authentic, to uh, live courageously, you know, in, in, in what we believe we need to do in this world. I think it's really, really important, especially when we bring these ideas, um, you know, to God and sort of, you know, figure out how to take the next best steps. And so I'm thankful what Ben said as much as I'm thankful for what Darren had to share as well. And do it in love. I think that ties oh, everything yeah. nicely, you know? <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, yes, exactly that, dude. Yeah, That's right. Yeah. That was a great, great episode, in my opinion. Uh, Between the Grooves, you can hear it every week, wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes drop on Mondays. And uh, make sure you subscribe to the podcast for new episodes. Leave us a rating and a review. We would love to hear from you. And all of that just helps us reach more people as well. And you can also find us on Facebook and on Twitter. Le Twitter, le tweet tweet. You can find us there at Between Grooves on both sites. We would love to connect with you and chat with you. And let's start a conversation there. Let's see what happens. Until next time. Have an amazing day, an amazing week, and we'll see you on the next episode of Between the Grooves. Happy Easter. Happy Easter. Happy Easter.